uh, remind Titus of those things, but more to encourage the believers across Crete to accept Titus as Paul's ongoing leader in that space. Now let's have a look at this. Whoops. Um, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So Paul just here laying down his apostolic authority. He's been sent to proclaim or strengthen the faith of believers to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Now this is a big theme throughout this letter. Know the truth. Know the truth. Know the truth. But not just here. Know the truth that enables you to live a godly life. Know the truth and live a godly life. Now we'll come back to that. Now Paul goes on now, verse 2, to affirm the gospel. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, just the right time, he's revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It's by the command of God our Saviour that I have been entrusted with this work for him. You hear that? I'm working for God. He says it in verse 1, remember, I'm a slave of God and an apostle for Jesus Christ. Um, this, is his, his, this is his authority to be able to bring this teaching and this exhortation to the people of Crete. Now, verse 4. I'm writing to Titus, my son, my true son in the faith we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there. Now, Titus already knows this because Paul's left him there. This is for the sake of the community. He says, all of this authority that, I, that as a slave of God and apostle of Jesus, I've been sent to show you how to live right, to, to teach you how to know the truth that helps you to live in the right way. And Titus is going to complete that work there. He's been sent by God too. He has that authority there as well. So that's why Titus has been left on Crete, so he could complete the work of this teaching these believers um, to know the truth and that will enable them to live godly lives. Now, what's Titus going to do towards that? We're going to look at step one today, but before we do that, I want to give you a picture of what's happening, as much as we know, of what's happening in Crete at that time. For that, we're going to skip down to verse 10, where Paul's explaining this. For there are Many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching and they do it only for money. There's one thing that's going on in Crete is these money-hungry false teachers trying to drag people into religion and um, and salvation by works. But, you know, you, you'll be holier if you if you get circumcised. You'll be holier if you complete this ritual. You'll be more spiritual if you just do this particular mantra. If you if you do these particular works, you'll get closer to God. It's false teaching, and it's leading whole families astray. False religion. Now, that's one issue. Here's another another issue in Crete. Uh, verse 12, even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. That's, um, 
a quote from Epimenides. He was one of their uh, one of the contemporaries there. So Paul says, even one of their own people acknowledges that the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Paul doesn't disagree. He says, uh, he says, this is true. Just acknowledging the reality, it doesn't mean that every single person on the island of Crete, in all the desires of their heart, is a liar, a cruel animal, and a lazy glutton. He's just saying this is generally true of their culture. You know, if, if you said, people from Crete, they have this tendency, or this default, this is the prevailing um, stereotype, or the prevailing uh, feeling that you get as you meet more and more of these people, that they're, they're untruthful and cruel and, and um, lazy and indulgent. And, um, this is true, Paul says. Acknowledging there's sin in this culture. In fact, there's a, there's a push away from God uh, in this culture. There's, there, is a, there is a prevailing culture that drags us away from faith in Christ, drags us away from the truth that helps us to live a godly life. That's true. There's false teaching around and there's the prevailing sin in our culture. I wonder what one of our prophets would say about Australia. The people of Australia are all, what? what are, what's the sin in our prevailing culture? I'm going to leave that as a discussion for you and your family or reflection for yourself or in your life group as you get together um, by video communication. Um, what would our prophets say to us? about the, the sin that just distracts us from um, knowing the truth that helps us to live a godly life. Uh, so Paul says, uh, this is true. So, reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. We say to you, uh, CCW family and anyone who's watching this, we, we must, we must stop listening to the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. When people say, this is what you need for your satisfaction, this is what you need for your, uh, for your enjoyment, this is what you need for your safety, this is what you need for your security, this is what you need for your fulfillment, now Paul says, and the Holy Spirit says to us today, you must stop listening to the commands of people who've turned away from the truth. Now listen to this. This is fantastic. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. You hear that? Someone who says, I know God, I know God, but then you look at the way they live and you go, they don't know God. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. What is he talking about here? Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure and, and nothing is pure to those who are corrupt. Just, this is so important for us to understand. It's actually, it's actually the key to understanding or to unlocking this whole know the truth that helps you to live a godly life. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Let me explain this. Purity is in the heart. It's in the, 
It's in the motive. It's in the desire. We, we can't find purity. We can't achieve purity by doing this or that. By achieving this or that. By good activity. By good works. That doesn't shift our heart. Our hearts shifted in as much as we surrender our own way and let the Spirit of God transform us. So it changes how we see the world and it changes what we want in the world. So instead of wanting what our selfish desires would want, we want what God wants. Instead of caring about the things that our normal human hearts would care about, we care about the things that God cares about. And that's purity. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. And in fact, the opposite of purity in this text, as you see, is what? The corruption, but, but more, unbelief. Unbelief, because if you don't believe God, if you say, God, I, I hear that you might be saying that, but I don't really believe that. Or, God, I, I, I think I understand that you want me to care about that thing, but I don't really want to care about that thing. Um, or, well, God, you say this about me, about who I am, my identity, but I don't, I want, I'd rather have my opinion of my identity. Or you say this about their identity, those people, but I, mm, I don't want that view of them. Unbelief. It's unbelief where you say, my way, God, not your way. And in unbelief, we can't be pure. Uh, he says, uh, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. So the opposite of purity is unbelief. How quick we are to surrender to God's will and ways in our lives. Everything is pure for those who, whose hearts are pure. Like I said, that's the interpretation of Verse 1, know the truth that helps you to live a godly life. <clears throat> Knowing the truth isn't just, uh, isn't just the words on the page. It isn't just understanding and giving intellectual assent to the text that way. Knowing the truth is knowing it by experience, which comes from believing what God says and basing your life on His work, will and ways and not our will and ways. Every move towards purity involves surrender. I used to think this, but now I, th I, now I think what God thinks. I used to see things this way, but God showed me how, the way that he wants me to see them, and I want to do that now. That's the move towards purity. A surrender of our way uh, towards God's way. So, that's what's going on in Crete. There's pressure from the society, there's false teaching. The aim is to build disciples with pure hearts who know the truth that shows them how to live a godly life. Uh, back to verse 5 now. Um, uh, where Paul is going to show Titus, this is the first step I want you to take towards building a healthy church. Here it is. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Here's step one of healthy church. Appoint the right leaders. We need leaders. God sets leaders in place and he calls us to follow our leaders. Why is it important for everyone in healthy church to follow godly leaders? Well, listen to the writer to the Hebrews, Hebrews 13. He says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work, their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. 
Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us, he says, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honourably in everything we do. That resonates with me. That's my heart. It's the heart of every Christian leader I know. My conscience is clear. I want to live honourably in everything I do. Short accounts with God. That not only across other churches, the other Christian leaders I know, that's their heart. It's the heart of the leadership right across our church, our life group leaders, our ministry leaders. We want to live honourably in everything we do, with clear consciences before God. We're just frail humans, just like you, just like everybody. We fail, we struggle, we sin, we treat people badly sometimes. So pray for us, pray for us, because, because God's called us to lead, and we want to be able to lead, and we want to be honourable in everything we do, with clear consciences. So please pray for us. Um, and pray for your leaders. We all, we all benefit, uh, if, you, if you look back at this text in Hebrews, we all benefit when we give our leaders joy in the way we conduct ourselves towards them and towards other people uh, around us. I'm led by our elders here and by my spiritual mentors, um, and I want to bring them joy because I'll bring them joy when I'm following Jesus. Uh, and when, I, when my life demonstrates that, I'm, that I know the truth that helps me to live a godly life. And when I'm treating them the way that I ought, and I'm treating people around me the way that I ought, I bring them joy, and I want to bring them joy. That's to my benefit that I bring them joy. I don't want to bring sorrow and burden to my leaders. That would not be for my benefit, is what the writer to the Hebrews says. Um, by the way, if you're not in community, so you're thinking, oh, I don't know who my godly leaders are at the moment. If you're not in uh, community, I would encourage you to get into the community. We, um, we have life groups across the life of the, of the church, across the CCW family. If you want to, we can plug you in. If you, if you are just in your house now thinking, well, we're okay, we're self-sufficient in this space, we don't need to be in connection really with other, like, you know, connection, convenient connection, but we don't want to be in inconvenient connection. That is, we don't want to be obligated in relationship with other households um, at the moment. That, look, that's nice for a little while, but it's not healthy long term. And across the months ahead, it's going to be important that we're all actually connected in relationship, in inconvenient connections with Christians around us so that we're encouraging them and they're encouraging us. We need it for our own souls, for our own growth, and they need us to be there as well. So I encourage you to get into community. It's all done online in these days, but it's still important that we're committed to relationship with other Christians around us to grow together. And if you're not in one yet, then contact Pete Moody. You can find him through the website and he will help you to find a community that's right for you. So, commit to community and pray for your leaders and bring joy to them by the way you live. Now, Paul says, complete the work, Titus, by appointing elders in every town. What, what kind of leaders is Paul advocating, what does the Holy Spirit want for healthy church? What's, what's the best sort of church leader? Now, in our minds, we might go to things like, well, they need to be able to preach, they need to be a great uh, speaker, they need to be entrepreneurial, they need to be um, visionary, they need to be able to, at least a little bit entertaining, you know, engaging when they talk, they need to, in these days, maybe they need to be tech savvy, maybe they even need to be camera happy, um, active on social media, whatever. 
um, they need these skills or these aptitudes or these personalities. Well, none of those things make the list of what Paul is after here for Crete and what God is after for us here. Let's have a look at the qualifications of a leader. Verse 6, an elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. The church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. You see that? All of the qualification here is character. It's character. We'll unpack that more in a minute. Just um, as a by the way, you'll notice in this text that um, Paul is presuming or assuming that the leaders that Titus is going to appoint in each town are going to be male. Um, that's an assumption in the text. It's, it's not a command in the text. That is, the, the, what Paul's driving at here is this is the character you need for leaders. There's an assumption they'll be male because he's talking into a patriarchal culture. All the leaders everywhere, right across um, the civic scene, across society were male. So there wouldn't, it's just an assumption that the leaders that Titus is going to appoint are going to be male. In our society, we've got women leading everywhere. Um, in our church, we've got women leading too. Praise God. It's different for us. There wouldn't be a presumption of maleness here in our culture. The, the drive here is character. You might disagree with me, but we can all agree on this point. The main thrust of this text isn't gender. It's character. It's character. It's the character of leaders. Leaders are necessary for healthy church, and they need to be people of godly character. Um, for Crete, remember, um, you know, uh, all the people in Crete are liars and cruel animals and lazy gluttons. Well, amongst that, Paul says, appoint leaders who are faithful to their marriage and leading their household well and not arrogant or quick-tempered and not heavy drinkers and not dishonest with money and, and hospitable, loving what's good, living wisely, being just, devout, disciplined. And for us here in Warrigal, in this area here, as we meet, wherever we meet, um, as churches online, uh, all around the place. We're looking for leaders of character. If we're married, we want to be faithful to our spouses. We want to be consistent in the godly care of our households. We want to be not lovers of money, not greedy, not dishonest, not selfish, but willing to sacrifice and share. Not heavy drinkers, not arrogant, not looking down on others, but lifting them up. Leaders who invite others in, leaders who include people quickly, rapidly, right to the core of who we are, leaders who embrace uh, people around us. We're looking for people of character. And most importantly, most importantly, because it drives all of the above, we're looking for this, verse 9. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he'll be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they were wrong. And some people say, well, there's a, there's a, a skill requirement they've got to be able to teach. But that's not what the Holy Spirit says here through Paul to Titus, to Crete, and to us. That's not what he says here. What must the leader have? He must have a strong belief in the message he was taught. 
That belief is what enables the leader to encourage others with wholesome teaching and to show those who oppose it where they're wrong. And it's not, it's not like, um, all right, I've got a strong belief in what I was taught, so let me, let me encourage you with this wholesome teaching, so I'm going to teach you from the Bible, from the truth, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to show you from the Bible where you are wrong. That's not what this means. That's not all of what this means at all. He's saying, my belief, that is, I believe what God says, I believe what He wants, and I trust Him and not myself. That belief in the teaching, in the things that I was taught, that qualifies me as a leader to give you wholesome teaching and to show you, to show you by my life where you are wrong. That's what qualifies the leaders who lead me. That they would, that they would, <clears throat> because they believe, because they believe that they can, they can bring wholesome teaching to me and they can show me by their life where I'm wrong. So I'm not just following intellectual tenets, I'm following lives, I'm following people who follow Jesus. That's the qualification uh, for leaders. And it all flows from belief. Remember from before, uh, the opposite of purity is unbelief. So leadership flows from belief. Leaders are the ones who believe first. Who, who trust God first. Who surrender their own way first. Who die to themselves first. Who give up what they want to listen to what God wants first. Paul says at, at the start of this chapter, I'm a slave of God. I'll just do what he says. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave of God and I'm sent by Jesus Christ. So wh whatever and whoever I should say, whoever you lead and wherever you lead, go first in your surrender to God. Because that's the qualification for a leader. That will equip you to be able to deliver wholesome teaching and to show people where they're wrong. So, here's our first instalment in this healthy church journey. Commit to community, pray for your leaders, bring joy to them by the way you live, and wherever you lead, wherever you lead, in your household, in your group, in your business, in your family, wherever you lead, be the first to believe. Be the first to surrender. This is the only way to healthy church. This is the first step in healthy church. Godly leadership. Let's pray. Father, we want to be a healthy church. We want to be your church, full of your health and life. Move us into community with each other, supporting our leaders. Move us all wherever we are, and wherever we lead, to be the first to believe and to surrender to your willing ways, we pray in Jesus' name.